Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Good morning. Thank you, French. I am Jeff Topinko. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I want to say thanks to Pastor Matt and, and the Christ leadership and the congregation and, and all of you all that have, that have prayed. And um, it's uh, God's doing incredible work. Um, it's been an incredible journey. Um, this ministry has been just an unbelievable uh, influence in uh, the way that God has worked in our family and in my life. And uh, uh, I don't get up here too often, so I just want to say, uh, take a minute to say thank you all. Um, but um, all the glory uh, to God. Thank you. So today, uh, I'm going to start with a reading from the Gospel of Luke. This is the 23rd chapter, 32 to 43. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others? Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. So I wanted to talk about choices today. Um, maybe I don't get out much, but the other day I took my daughter to uh, Brewster's ice cream. I could not believe the amount of choices of ice cream. I mean, it's like 50 flavors. You know, when I was young, like I remember chocolate and vanilla. Like that's what you got. I mean, like if you were lucky, you got a twist. Maybe put some sprinkles on there. That was it, you were good. So the decision on making a, a, a choice on ice cream on which flavor she should get was pretty serious as we waited in line. I love kids, you know, their world is, is, is just so big, so it's, it's only this big, and it revolves around the choices of repercussions, the repercussions of choices like choosing ice cream is a really big deal. So I had the peach ice cream. I don't know if that's old school or what, but 
you know what, maybe I'm just old, I love peach ice cream. So then I started thinking about the choices we make as adults. We have these fun choices, right? Should I get bacon on my burger? Or should I get sausage or pepperoni on my pizza? Matt, I know you struggle with this. Should I get four tacos or five tacos? Does it even matter? It doesn't matter. Once you get a certain point. And then I, then I see we have these choices that are not fun, but necessary. And I think just because we're kind of adults and, and you know, this is what we have to do. We have these house repairs or uh, car repairs, and we have to decide, make choices, where do we spend our money at that time? One time, uh, years ago, uh, Melissa and I were just married, and the washing machine went out and the dishwasher. So it's like, what do you want to do? You want to wash clothes or you want to wash dishes? Make a choice, because we're not fixing both right at the minute. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, the front brakes on my car, uh, I needed front brakes on my car. How did I know that? Well, because they were squealing and grinding, and apparently that's the message to get new brakes. So I went to the mechanic, um, and he's putting front brakes on my car, and he comes back out, and uh, like inevitably, uh, Jeff, you know you need brakes in your rear, too. Like, right now? Like, how long do I have? Oh, man, you better get them, like, in two weeks. Great, I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> it's just the choices that, that we have to make. And then thirdly, I think about these tough situations. Sometimes they kind of result in some bad choices. Something as simple as being caught up in the moment when somebody cuts, our, cuts us off in traffic and we kind of give them that certain hand gesture and uh, let them know that they're uh, in the wrong, maybe. <laughs> maybe we get into arguments with our loved ones or our family. We make a choice to say some nasty things and sometimes we don't realize it until it's too late. But we are making a choice. Sometimes our feelings get the best of us, and sometimes we end up making a regretful choice. So in this scripture, um, many folks may be familiar with this story from Luke's gospel. Um, oftentimes we discuss it around Lent, and it gives us an invitation um, for reflection and an introspective look at ourselves. Jesus is crucified between two criminals. We don't learn much about these guys. We don't know their history or their background or, or where they're from. We don't even know what crimes they are, what crimes they committed. But we do know that due to the nature of their punishment, these must have been some pretty bad guys. They probably made some pretty bad choices throughout their life. We see as Jesus is crucified, hanging from the cross, one criminal is on each side of him. One of the criminals seems to provoke him as he continues in the Roman mockery of Jesus, yelling out, you're the self-proclaimed Messiah. Surely you can save us. At the very least, use your powers to get us down off of these crosses. To me, this criminal is in a position of complete desperation. He seems like he's backed in a corner. He probably feels like he's got nothing left. Continue his continues his insulting rhetoric. Probably frustrated, the life of crime has caught up with him. Even faced in death, he makes the choice to insult others. 
Oh, you're God? Hey, God, if you really exist, show me. Prove to me that you're real. Oftentimes, this criminal becomes known as the bitter criminal. But then the other criminal speaks up and rebukes the first one. Don't you even fear God? We're getting what we deserve. This man's done nothing wrong. As he continues, he asked Jesus to be remembered in his kingdom. He's asking to be forgiven for the poor choices that he's made. It's a moment of, of humbleness. He's obviously made some poor choices, but I think we see something in him that makes him think that this man hanging next to him is actually the Messiah. This guy's often known as the repentant criminal. So we know both these guys were some bad guys. They made some poor choices in their life. One goes down swinging, angry. The other one, even though he realizes his poor choices, he asks for forgiveness and to be remembered in God's kingdom. So as we hear this story, we often ask ourselves, which one are you? Who are you more like? Oh, I'm the repentant criminal for sure. That's me. No doubt. That's me. I'm good. I'm... So go ahead and discuss it among yourselves. I'll give you a few seconds. I'm kidding. Don't discuss. I'm going to give you the answer as I see it. We are both. In this duality of human nature, we act like both. Martin Luther talks about it in terms of humanity simultaneously being sinner and saint. As much as we want to try and live this seemingly perfect existence, making all the right choices, all this with the idea in mind that we must live this ideal life, sometimes it's just not possible. It seems so many times this idea only serves to put an unrealistic pressure and anxiety on us. Even left up to our own free will of decisions, we're unable to live without sin because sin is that prevalent. We are born broken into this world. We undoubtedly fall short as we rely on our own understanding in our own choices. The law of God confronts us in our sin. We rely more on our own judgment so often and the importance of making the right decisions, the right choices, and less on our trust in God. As the one criminal says, we are all under the same sentence for sin, of which the penalty is death. Paul in Romans says, for the wages of sin is death. All of humanity under that same sentence. Same as the two robbers, two criminals. I see the importance of this story and these two criminals who hung next to Jesus is that they were sinners just like you, just like me. No matter what these guys did in, our in their lives, even they had the best intentions in their choices, they were unable to live up to the glory of God. But the story about the criminals is less about the choices, is about the choices we struggle to make because we all struggle. But rather, it's the story that tells us of the choice that God made. That in spite of our own failing efforts, we are forgiven 
We are saved. We are part of this glorious kingdom. As a matter of fact, when Martin Luther talked about being both sinner and saint, he didn't mean saint in a way that we could have done something to earn this sainthood. Luther defines a saint in the sense that a saint is a forgiven sinner. And that's only because God's grace has been given to us. God chose us. The struggle for perfection and relying on our own works is lifted from us. The struggle and the choices we must make in life, which we place such huge consequences on, choices that affect our family, getting that perfect job, that perfect life, making enough money, making the right decisions, getting our lives straightened out, maybe feeling we're, that we're not where we should be at this point in our life, free from the guilt, free from the anger and the self-assessing, free to live your life knowing that God chose to be right there alongside of us in our frustrations, in our suffering, and in our brokenness. In our own pain and doubt, we find the love and comfort of God right there with us. By the cross, Jesus chose us. God so loves us that instead of being in the business of counting sins, God chose to dwell among humanity in the body of Jesus and in paying the ultimate price of death. God's grace deemed all of humanity worthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is what the cross represents. It's that unlikely paradox that in all of the bloodiness and the pain and the sadness of the cross is exactly where God chose to meet us all. That is grace. It is free, it is unearned, and it is for you. So maybe you're thinking, hey, that sounds cool. I could, I could, I could buy that. But let me get this straight. Criminals hung next to Jesus, both made bad choices, like us. We struggle with choices. And in addition to the stress of that, it separates us from God because we rely on our own judgment. But God delivers this unearned grace in the cross. And this is for me? This is for you? Really? Yes. Yes and yes. Looking at the scripture, we see Jesus responded to the robber. In uh, verse 43, Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Truly. In scripture, when Jesus starts off with truly, or sometimes, some translations we see verily, truly, I tell you. The Greek meaning that you better listen closely because what I'm about to tell you is the truth. And not only that, the person speaking has firsthand knowledge and authority. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then what's his response? He doesn't question the ridiculousness of the robber's request. He doesn't make doesn't shame him and ask him why he thinks he would deserve to be saved. He doesn't say to him, with all the wrong you did, you want to be saved? Jesus simply says, what I'm about to tell you is the ultimate truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise, period. Yes. And all of the salvation and complete forgiveness that the cross stands for is given freely by God to each and every one of us in our baptism. In our baptism, God makes a personal claim to each and every one of us, counting the hairs on our head, calling us each by name into this heavenly family, sealing us with that exact cross 
granting us eternal forgiveness of our sins forever. There's no poor choice which can ever mess that up. You're not held down by your choices, but by the cross you are freed to live and choose boldly. To paraphrase Martin Luther again, he wrote to sin boldly because we are admittedly a broken people in a broken world. But he also said, let your trust in Christ be bolder and rejoice in Christ who is the victor over sin and death. In our own best efforts, we seek to love one another, live as Jesus commended. We also confess and confront our shortcomings and have confidence in Christ alone, that nothing can separate us from God's grace and forgiveness in the cross. In the events of that day, we receive in our faith the promise of forgiveness from a God who claims us, a God of grace who gave up his son to take our place on the cross so that we could be eternally forgiven. So yes, you and I are not unlike the robbers in this scripture, both sinner and saint. But this was the moment that changed everything. The brutality and the bloodiness of that crucifixion of Jesus was that day was about to reconcile the world to God. The irony of the past few days was about to be brought to light. They mocked him, held him as king of the Jews, put a crown of thorns on his head, dressed him in a purple robe and mocked him. The one they mocked as the king was actually the king. On that day, the only one who knew no sin took on all sin so that in him we may become righteous to God. God chose forgiveness. God makes delivery of this promise through the death of Jesus Christ, the promise to love and forgive us no matter what choices we make, the promise to be present with us in our brokenness and in our challenges. And not because we've done anything to deserve it, not because we have make all the right choices in our life, but because this is a God of grace. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.